Yeah, there record on the cloud, then it's easy to get the audio done. Live from the cloud, out of nowhere, they came out from the internet. <laughs> it is the... We have added a daily talk show host for Clean Tech. What is our show called? Clean Tech Talk Today. Clean Tech Talk Today. Uh, I like Clean Tech Talk Today. Yeah, now... Today. Yes, yes, yes. Fun one to <laughs> say. Now that I'm on this side of the Atlantic, it seems easier. We, Nicholas and Kyle over there in California, still too far away with better weather. And uh, I'm here in Florida. So we have now a three-person morning clean tech talk show. Uh, and today we're going to start, of course, with Tesla, with the Tesla truck, the pickup truck, which has like, Elon went wild. I saw, you know, I was off for a day on Twitter or something. It was 96 tweets. And I was like, oh my God, there's no way I'm oh going through these. God. And then I went through them. But uh, there was a ton of, ton of stuff about Tesla's pickup truck that they're designing and a lot of feedback from, um, from people. Uh, Kyle, you wrote up the story, but there was a, a couple of things that stood out to me was the potential for compressed pressed air. Pressed air, air. And, instead, and not, not just for powering electric tools, but maybe they could have something for powering compressed air tools. And I forget Elon's exact response, but it sort of seemed like, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we'll do that. Um, there was, uh, of course, the, 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 the truck is going to be insanely powerful. But I think the other big thing for me was that the, the range is 400 to 500 miles or more, which is like, what? Like, <laughs> and Kyle, in your article, you talked about the, uh, you used the efficiency of the Model S, but uh, presumably the truck will have less aerodynamics, worse aerodynamics and worse efficiency. To, so to get to 400, 500 or more miles of range, is like, what the heck is going on here? So those were big thoughts for me on the truck. You guys? Uh, would, the compressed air part is actually the really interesting part, Kyle. You're on mute, by the way. Yep. No, I thought, I thought the, uh, the functionality of it as a work truck with the built-in power, the compressed air from the air suspension. Um, and then I thought somebody threw out the idea of using the frunk as a uh, toolbox, a locking toolbox. I think those three in combination make it, um, at least on paper, a really exciting work truck. Um, and then, I mean, on top of that, he's got seating for six. Um, and, and like you said, Zach, the, uh, the range... Um, and the reason I use the Model 3 efficiency there is because I think there are so many variables. It's like, are they going to have some new motor technology? Are they going to have a breakthrough in energy density or battery cost or battery uh, overall battery pack weight or management? So I think there are a lot of variables. Yeah, there. I thought about that too. I almost, I almost put a note and then I thought, no, everything's going to improve enough that efficiency will probably match. So. Well, and wait, but you know, you, you guys are talking about efficiency, uh, compressing air. I, this is a 200-year-old technology that really hasn't involved that much. And the last time I checked into it, there was a company called MDI and they do like the compressed engine, which by the way is a five cycle engine, really wild. But um, the point is th the biggest problem was the compression. We're still using, guess what? Opposing pistons, which is what we're trying to get away from. So I'd be interested to see what kind of compressors they really have because they are volumetric and different types of, of you know, spinning discs and, and spinning blades compressors these days. But I don't see that going on a car just yet. So do tell us more, really. Definitely. I think there are a lot of questions about what the, uh, the truck is going to actually bring. And I think it was funny also. I mean, we didn't really talk it directly, but I mean, he, he essentially went to Twitter and just said, tell me what I should put in this truck um, and threw out a couple of basic things like uh, it's going to have the dual motor all-wheel drive, crazy torque, the suspension that dynamically adjusts. 
Um, and one, one function of that, the suspension combined with the all-wheel drive that I think is exciting is, is the four-wheel drive kind of enthusiast area. And I mentioned a little bit in the article, but uh, having the ability to dynamically adjust the suspension and independently adjust how much power goes to each wheel is a complete yeah. game changer uh, for uh, just all-wheel traction. And, and taking that off-road is, is going to change that entire sport and that entire enthusiast market. I think it, it more importantly for electrics, it's going to pull in a lot of uh, truck enthusiasts that probably would, would uh, look the other way when they saw a Tesla coming because they're just not, not into the electrics. They don't believe in Elon or, or climate change. So that's neat. Yeah, indeed. And I think I can think of a lot of places even around here where, where people would be won over, especially people like who are used to torque and a lot of good stuff and everything. But if they can uh, on the fly adjust torque every, you know, on every wheel going uphill and everything, it's going to be great. Plus, you know, I'm still hoping the Baja California races, they used to have a green department division. If you're listening, if you're watching, please bring it back because there you go. There's another Tesla you can actually use now on top of the, the GT championship. So interesting. They're obviously aiming to make it like the, the best <laughs> the best pickup truck by far, right? I mean, that's Tesla's approach with everything, right? The best uh, Roadster, the best uh, sedan. So it, they're obviously looking to knock out of the park. I was a bit blown away by six six people, seating six people, plus, uh, you know, the driver's seat would fit Andre the Giant, which was like, what? You know, because <laughs> there was a guy who got on six, six foot nine inches tall, and he wanted to make sure the seat would fit him and he said and elon's response uh it was good good uh, allusion to the princess bride kyle I, I didn't catch that it was the whole princess bride allusion until i was editing your article but, <laughs> but what was that he was he was like uh something about that? buttercup this will not be a, a dainty little buttercup of a truck uh so yeah. buttercup was the female character in the princess bride so which of course is an epic movie that everyone loves and elon <laughs> obviously indicated he loves as well uh, but it was still like the six and, and, you know, I don't know if it's be two, two, two. I imagine it'd be three, three. My, my dad's 1990s pickup truck has three seating for three in the back and the front two. But I imagine with, uh, with a, a little maneuvering and electric drive powertrain, they could do three, three pretty, pretty comfortably. Um, but, but yeah, it's going to be a beast. This is going to be, I think this might be like, well, every, every vehicle Tesla brings out is like, this might be huge. So, but this electric pickup that blows away the competition, that's going to be a beast in the U.S. But Zach, I think, I think really what people really want to know is you actually did go through all 97 of the tweets, really? <laughs> Don't ask me. But anyway, talking about <laughs> off-roading, uh, <laughs> I can't help myself. But uh, off-roading, I imagine we could also stick a, maybe an electric uh, dirt bike in the back of that truck. What do you think? You, <laughs> a dirt you, bike or two? In the back? A dirt bike or two or, or lots of scooters, but plenty of things. But yeah, indeed. Actually, um, uh, good things about electric two-wheelers right now in here. All top motors. I love these guys. They're in California and they only do one thing. They do it super well. It's like the UPS of the intelligent world here. Um, they do dirt bikes and these bikes uh, they're winning. They're winning races against uh, regular bikes. In fact, the last story we wrote about it was the Geneva Supercross. The bike didn't make it to the Geneva uh, race. And you know what they did? They asked around their clients. They got last year's bike. The guy went on it. A few tweaks, they won. So that's the kind of company I'm really excited about. And they have their new uh, 2019 Redshift uh, EXR. And well, you just have to go and read. I mean, it's just fine tuning what is already an excellent little dirt bike. 
And the way I look at it is I would put some nice wheels, like street wheels on it, and you have a super motard or a super motard, and that would be the excellent uh, well, motorcycle for me right here in Long Beach. So you get that, two of those, a Tesla truck, one more, <laughs> and, and you'll live to 50. But anyway, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, well, it's the clean tech like, team. You know, we need to be, we need to be, well, we need to represent everything. There you go. Oh, yeah. let's no, no, it looks like an, a, a ton of fun. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts on the, on the electric dirt bikes, Altimotors or otherwise? Uh, no, I think, I think the Altimotors bike, I mean, the new, uh, the new 2019 uh, Redshift EXR, it's, it's a crazy looking bike. I think I would, uh, much like what Nicholas was saying, I would like to throw some street tires on that and uh, run it around town as kind of the ultimate uh, getting around town bike. I mean, I've been riding e-bikes around. I've tried electric skateboards, electric unicycles even. Uh, but I think uh, the utility of an electric motorcycle, something small, efficient, and uh, I think the missing variable still is affordable because uh, I think the EXR is around 13000 uh, which it for is. a performance bike is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but for something around town, I would just like to see the cost come down a little bit. And then I think we've hit a real sweet spot that resonates not just for um, folks like myself in a suburban environment, but I think I'm thinking about big cities where in Southeast Asia, you see scooters buzzing around all over the place. And the big factor there, it's the, the, the emissions from the uh, tailpipe, but also the noise pollution. I mean, it it really makes it unpleasant in a lot of ways. Uh, so I'm excited about the potential of electric uh, scooters for that reason as well. And yeah, and that's, a, always... that's a good point because, oh, I'm sorry, I just want to say very quickly, those, those dirt bikes are really blending the lines between electric bicycles, scooters, and motorcycles. So there actually are a lot of that, that sort of are in the middle and everything. But if you're looking for a good scooter, I think around town, the Gen Z uh, scooter is the smartest thing I've seen. That one is the no-brainer. You're well encased. You've got plenty of cargo, and it just doesn't get any slimmer than that. But this is above and foremost. This is a dirt bike. You know, this is something yeah. if you live very close to the trail, it's fun. That that kind of thing. But yeah, still, I think uh, if it would be in the seven thousand uh, dollar bracket, I think uh, yeah, I think we'd finally totally be there as far as mass uh, adoption of two wheels, electric two wheelers. Anyway, sorry, Zach, go on. Yeah. Oh, no, I was, I was, my wife and I always saying, you know, it seems like scooters and motorcycles should be the first thing to electrify. We hate the noise. They're too noisy. They're annoying. They scare our little girls. They're just, it's really annoying. I mean, I guess some people like it, but, but we, we started, we had an electric scooter, actually two electric scooter sharing programs launched in our city in Poland right before we left. And uh, it was so nice to see like a scooter quickly going by with like no sound. It's like, wow, that's how it should be. So a big fan of electric scooters and motorcycles and Alta again has been leading for years. It's great to see them keep growing and developing. Uh, I, I already, there's a couple of pieces from Jaguar and Volvo. I already talked way too much last week about Jaguar and Volvo. So I'll just have put in a few notes and then uh, I'm melting like, uh, like nacho cheese here in Florida now. So I'm going to get out of this, get out of the heat and let you guys keep talking. Uh, and I think my computer also is melting. It's a good Apple MacBook Pro, but it still can't handle the Florida heat, I think. Uh, so, so the uh, first Jaguar putting in 18 billion in the next 10 years. And we keep, we're talking about Jaguar every episode. It's like, it's like, this is a Jaguar uh, <laughs> podcast, but they, but we really see them as one of the potentially leading uh, companies for electrification. And they're putting in 18 billion for electric drivetrains in the next three years. I think they see the demand for the iPace. I think they see it's more than they even hoped for. I think they're going back to their suppliers and saying, Hey, look, we have a ton of demand. We want to really electrify a lot. 
let's, you know, can you get us the parts and we will do it. And uh, because you need that, you need the commitment, you need the promise from the automaker that they're going to have demand, then the supplier can ramp up production for you. Right. So I think, uh, I think Jaguar is looking, you know, they, they say, they told us when we asked about it, that they, they're lo still looking to have a gas version of every, of every model that consumers still want this. But I think in the background, they're thinking, how fast can we move? How fast will we move? You know, we don't have to put it out publicly. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, ahead of our skis, as uh, the Avenatti uh, lawyer always says. Uh, but uh, I think they really are looking to, to be a leader in, in, and take a lot of market share from competitors by being you know, quick on the electrification. And then Volvo is another one because it's owned by Geely. Chinese company and it seems to have a lot of potential for becoming an electric brand quickly it's been slow it's been having it's had plug-in hybrids but it's got its first fully electric uh, car coming and it's and it's right the most popular segment the XC40 the small SUV or CUV so again I think it's going to probably say hey let's test the waters let's see how much demand we can get for this thing and then uh, we'll see how quickly we can electrify. But uh, I'll let you guys talk about that and anything else on your mind. I'm going to escape to some air conditioning and uh, join you tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks, Zach. Bye, Zach. Have fun. Hey, Kyle, we did tell him California, right? We did tell him, right? I've been pulling for it. <laughs> you only do so much, though. Yeah, well. Actually, you know what? I, the I, beaches I, are better here and my parents, too, you know. Yeah. Well, go inside where there's AC. That's, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. So, you know what? Actually, um, I, I thought the Jaguar story was interesting in, in, in more ways than one because we were just talking about, you know, the compressor I was telling you about, that company MDI. Well, it turns out MDI was bought over by uh, the Tata Group, which, of course, you know, has Jaguar and Land Rover. So I think it's interesting that we're talking about the, the air compressor. Now we're talking about Jaguar finally getting into, well, $18 billion. That's no chump change. You know what? Three years? Wow, that's not, that's not no chump change at all. But it also shows something is I think now this is the real Tesla competition because up until now, yeah, Tesla wanna be killers. We had plenty of those guys. Lord knows we've had fun with it. And boy, some people didn't understand the kind of fun we were having with that one. But I, I, I really think Porsche, Jaguar, these, these kind of companies, not Ferrari, that's it, maybe Maserati, see like those guys, absolutely, the Alfieri, that's the competition to maybe more the Model X at this stage, but that's the, 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 the real competition. When these guys start to make EVs only, and yes, they're going to continue to make their, their gasoline cars, because guess what? Who buys Maseratis? A 20-year-old? Nope. People my age, you know, we're used to gasoline engines, so you don't want to ruffle up those feathers, so... I, I understand it, and, but I'm, I'm happy to see Jaguar getting into that. And you know the joke, right? You know the joke about um, Tata when he left England and he bought Jaguar and Land Rover, the last thing he said? What's that? Tata. <laughs> it's so bad, I have to say it. Yeah, no, I, I think this Jaguar move is, is extremely exciting. I, mean, I think the money speaks for itself. That's not, they're not toying around. They're diving in headfirst, uh, and they see a deep bottom to that pool. Um, and I think that's driven by three things. I think... Uh, first, the diesel uh, scare and dieselgate has scared them off of diesel and internal combustion. I think that's kind of created the, uh, the culture in the company where they need to do something quickly and latch on to that next thing. And it's definitely not diesel. Uh, so I think that's the first compelling reason. I think second, Tesla is starting to eat their lunch in the luxury market. Um, and I think that's scaring them. They're seeing that across other automakers. Um, and then kind of building on that, they started dabbling with the iPACE. 
and they like what they see. They like what they were able to do at the cost they were able to do it at. And with their luxury margins, they're able to deliver a fantastic car like Steve found when he went to Portugal um, at a great price that meets the needs for their consumers. So I think those three combined um, are what propelled them to make this massive, massive investment. $18 billion in three years. That's, that's insane. That's insane because that's the kind of uh, investment I, 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 I'm, I would think GM would do, Ford would do. They'd be the first one to talk about. But it's, it's, I mean, it's exponentially much more than we would think from those kind of companies. This is a fairly smaller group, but it's also a really smart one. And that's what I like about the Tata Motors group. And yeah, they might have been slow, but they did one thing really well, which, by the way, is going to be the great segue for the other story, which we just talked about. But they left it alone. They left what was working alone. Jaguar, you guys keep on working over there in England. Same thing with, uh, with Land Rover. And you know what? What I see now is in a few years, basically companies that regain their image, they regain their culture, they regain their clientele. And yes, of course, they don't want to ruffle up feathers, but yeah, they have to get into the future. But Jaguar is the way to go when you, come, when you think about like performance, well, electric motors. And obviously, uh, you know, an electric SUV from Land Rover is, is bound to happen. It, it is happening. We know that much. But the segue is the other smart company that I find is a smart company is, um, sorry. Wow. I did. Hey, this is the first time I've ever got <laughs> off my phone. I am pretty proud of myself here. <laughs> Volvo, Volvo with the XC40, right? Volvo, because you know what? Again, Gilly is, Gilly is that perfect example. You know, case study 101, how to not mess up. Much like Tata, they get Volvo and they think, all right, this thing, this company already has an amazing culture. It has history. Let's not mess it up. Let's keep it over there. You guys do whatever you need to do. We're just here to help you out. So what Zach was saying is right. What has taken them that long? And it's true, you know, bit of a head scratcher, Lincoln Go. First of all, I heard Lincoln Go? No, no, it's Link and Go. Okay, all right. Now, what is it now? Oh, it's an electric brand kind of, okay. And then, of course, I think they, they're, they're, they've been going through this, what do we do with everybody here? Wow, continue with what works. Volvo, everybody knows. Lincoln Go, that's kind of cute, but you'll, you'll, you'll do the millennials then. You know, this is the bread and butter. So I'm happy to see that going on there too because an electric uh, SUV or CUV in this case is actually, uh, it makes the most sense, especially from, uh, from Volvo. Yeah, completely. I mean, I think Zach hit it on the head with the, uh, the CUV market. I mean, that's one of the, the hottest markets. Uh, Tesla's got the Model Y, but I don't think people are going to be holding their breath for that after what we've seen with the, the two and a half year wait for Model 3. Uh, so I, I think uh, the prospect of an XC40, which is Volvo's sweet spot in, uh, in Europe and bringing that over to the States will be fantastic. I mean, I'm biased because I'm in California, uh, but I, I think that's just a hot market. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's the perfect size vehicle, I think, to see. Uh, I think Geely's one influence with Volvo is the push to electrify sooner than they otherwise would have. Uh, even though Sweden is right next door to Norway, which is a hot market for uh, electric vehicles, I think Geely had a part in speeding up that timeline with what they're seeing in China, uh, kind of replicating that um, in, in Volvo. Uh, but I'm excited about that. I can't wait to, to see it, to drive it, and to see, uh, I mean, I think we just talked about the competitors, the I-Pace, to see how they compare and how they stack up. Yeah, I, I think we both need to, uh, to contact Volvo again. I, I, they, they've been on my list the last few months. And I'm like, you know what? I still haven't done those plug-in hybrids. And then all of a sudden this comes on. I'm like, well, there you go. We need to contact them again. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I, I did, unless you want to say anything more on the Volvo or the Jaguar, I did want to go back to our, our two-wheel friends because um, I, I have a good story of the uh, LAPD uh, uh, while well, going electric on, a, on, a, on bicycles. 
No, dive in. I think that's great. I just had my first uh, e-bike review go live today. So dive into that. I love these things. You, you know, it's, it's an addiction, e-bikes. At first, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, you're cheating and all that good stuff. You know what? Baloney. Once you're on it, it's like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? And I, I'm 97% of the time, you know what? I'm on my bike. My two cars here, I, have to, I had to buy a trickle battery uh, charger because I don't drive them anymore. So that's there great. you go. So anyway, this is a great story because uh, two great things. For one thing, I love bulls. Bulls, uh, electric bikes, you know what? They're, they're sort of the Cadillac, the, 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 the creme de la creme of electric bikes. If you go on one, you ride one, you know it's really well done, well put together. Oh, uh, you know, kind of drooling. So when I saw that the Los Angeles Police Department got 20 bulls, my eyes really popped up because they didn't say, you know, whatever cheap little company here or, or medium, whatever, whatever. And even though those are sentinels from bulls, which, you know, sort of like they're uh, affordable <laughs> electric bicycles, they're darn good bikes. So the story gets even more interesting because I happen to know uh, the distributor right here um, and, and over, I don't know how far he stretched, but he's a friend of mine, coincidentally, right? So I, I've, I've had a bit of, a, of the inside scoop, but that bike was redesigned. The police said, hey, you know, one of us rides it, loves it. Um, is there any way to make 20 of them? But we need a few things done to it. Of course, police gear and all that good stuff. So easier to get in, get off, get on, get off. Uh, external uh, uh, cables to get, you know, repaired really quickly. I mean, this is the no-brainer bike. You know how long it took them? Nine months. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that to me was, well, that's newsworthy in and of itself because I don't think I know too many companies uh, that move that quickly. Anyway, so, so I'm looking forward to it. I think my next test ride is also going to be a, a Bull Sentinel. Well, at least we're working on that one. And I thought it was actually, <laughs> it's just really funny. So there you go. Yeah, no, I think what's fun about bikes, like, I think like you said at the beginning, it's like once you, until you've tried it, you don't really understand it. But um, if you try it and you actually try to make it work in your life, like I, I commuted, uh, I think it was like six miles or so round trip, no, six miles one way uh, for a week or so. And I think it's just, it, it opens your eyes to the possibilities and just how much potential e-bikes have. Like adding a motor and batteries increases your confidence, it increases your practical range, and it decreases the barriers to, uh, to getting on a bike and like you said, leaving the car at home, which is ultimately what we want. And um, I think we're suburban, you're, you're more urban in terms of where you live in Long Beach, but um, I, I see a place for these, not only in police departments, but it, I mean, just city centers, this is perfect. Like grabbing an e-bike, um, especially as a, a ride share type situation where you can just get up, go outside, grab some, you know, the shared bike out in front of your house um, get on and go. It's it's brilliant. So I, I think the LAP adopting these is uh, it's going to open other people's eyes to e-bikes, and it's going to open their eyes. I mean, twenty bikes is is great, but it's a start. I mean, they probably have thousands of bikes in their uh, in their fleet. So I'm excited about that potential and and them starting to park their cars because they realize the potential of these things. So this is huge. I'm I'm really excited about it. I think it's a fantastic win. Yeah, like you say, anything that gets people out is really the most important part. And and like you said, I think it's you know. What you were saying about that six-mile commute is no different than what people were saying 10 years ago with EVs. You just prepare, you just plan it. But at the same time, what I found on my e-bikes is that I do get a workout. I just go faster and longer. That's the only difference, and I get there quicker. But also, I can get there without sweating, so if I need to yep. look great. So it really, for me, it's a great platform. I just don't understand. And for them, for police, uh, for police department, it's great. They can sneak up on people. They can, you know, not that they, they sneak up on people, but, you know, sometimes a suspect is a suspect, flashing <laughs> lights and big noise. Guess what? Nobody's there anymore, you know? So, and it's my backyard after all. So, right, right. So, no, 
Yeah, like you said about the, the getting there without sweating. I mean, I think uh, ride sharing is a great platform for this because like we talked with EVs back in the day and even today, it's all about getting butts and seats. And so until you've tried the e-bike, you, don't, you might not understand the potential of it. And so I think getting, uh, getting people's butts on those seats through a ride-sharing platform will drive that adoption. Um, LAPD is the same, where, where people start seeing them, they'll start asking questions, hitting up Google, Clean Technica to figure out what that bike is, and uh, reading about it and reading our great reviews to, to hear what those bikes can do and, and seeing what they can do for their lives. Yeah, because that's one thing for sure is, is we'll, we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to cover that. We, we actually do test ride them. We, we get very hands-on. In fact, right now, oh, let's talk about it. Right now, we are testing. Hold on a second. Ta-da! Right behind me. Can you see it? Oh, you probably can't see it very well, right? But you can probably see it right here. You the, know, the Irby. The yes. Irby's. Yeah, I got to get, get a better camera. That's Patreon next. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm still testing the two Irby's. And guess what? You're going to get them next. My next door neighbor is a six foot two German guy who just bought the little t tiny uh, Kawasaki 125s, you know, where they look like a gorilla. Yeah. So we're going to do a really fun video with that and him jumping up on that and going, oh, I'm going on a real man's bicycle, motorcycle now. <laughs> so, but they, they, they really have been a lot of fun. And you know what? Come to think of it, a few times I've actually taken them because I would meet my wife downtown and full trunk easier than a bike. And you know what? There you go. So, ah, so many solutions and I love it. Seriously. Yeah. I think that's the, the great struggle we're looking for now. I mean, it's going to be a hybrid of autonomous vehicles, autonomous electric vehicles. Um, the e-bikes can fit for some people, people that need shorter range, smaller devices like the Irby work because they're super portable, which is, uh, is a big win. I think it's a, it's a big part of building those use cases that get us through this interim period. So I'm, I'm excited about that Irby as well. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah. There, and there are so many things happening right now. It's, it's exciting. Um, I, 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 just a very quick glimpse about um, the story I'm really excited. I've been writing about is Airbus's blueprint and what they have done is they're basically gi giving a blueprint of from zero to 60,000 feet, which is, you know, super high anyway, but uh, how drones, uh, electric vertical takeoff landing will operate. And it is fascinating. So I've only scratched that, you know, barely scratched it in 800 words, but you should read the entire thing. It's really fascinating because it really gives you a good idea of not only that, but what kind of service and what kind of uh, different types of service are going to uh, work together, which if you think about it is exactly what we've been asking about. Autonomous vehicles. Yeah, great. Oh, LIDARs. Yeah, great. That's fantastic. But you know what? We can shove a lot of stuff in a car. What I'm interested in, what's the coordination? What's the backbone? How are we going to coordinate all of that? I know about microcomputing. I'm more interested in load balancing at this stage. So this is actually getting closer to that. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, completely. I mean, those, those veto craft, uh, I think I, I share the same reservations about uh, kind of personal flying vehicles as a lot of people have expressed. Like that's not going to make for a more relaxing society. I don't think that's the solution to personal mobility, but I think kind of that think about like a big drone with the vertical takeoff and landing capabilities of a drone in an urban environment for a handful of people that need to go really fast. Um, ambulances, uh, first responders, police. I think that could be a game changer for a lot of those scenarios. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like you, like you alluded to the, uh, the real challenge is finding that one solution that's going to link these, these, I think our other story is about autonomy, And so kind of getting back to that oh. holistic solution. I don't know if you want to, you want to dive into that and talk about what they're doing in Boston. 
Yeah, and, and that's actually exactly it. That's a perfect segue. And Newtonomy is, is one of those companies that they, they've been around for a long time because I've been following these guys for a while. They were doing a great uh, test with, with their autonomous uh, system in Boston. Then something happened, and we'll let you uh, read the story to find out what happened. But it sounds like now they're finally back. And, uh, well, actually, no, actually, they've actually stopped again. No, they, okay, sorry, now I'm getting really confused because I'm, I'm actually rereading what I'm writing and it makes no sense. I'm gonna have to rewrite what I wrote, but basically they're back in, in Boston and you can actually use them everywhere. But what caught my attention was, was the, the press release was actually interesting. For once, we had a really interesting press release and it started by saying, if you wanna ride a Renault Zoe in America, you have to go to Boston. And so I'm going, what? So is Bolloray there? Renault's coming back? <laughs> and it really, you know, it really caught my attention. I was right. like, Newtonomy? Are they, are they working with Ren I mean, I was hooked. <laughs> I was reading. <laughs> and so I, I started laughing, but I was like, oh, I remember these guys. Of course, we haven't heard from these guys. There was the problem in Tempe. They, there was a fatality. But now Boston, uh, uh, you know, is basically telling them, you can come back, you can do it. It, it, it. Everything was suspended. And they are bringing in a Renault Zoe, which I think if you're on the East Coast, Northern East Coast, by all means, do it. Seriously. Yeah, those are the three things that caught my mind was like the, uh, the autonomous vehicles, the Renault Zoe, and then uh, Newtonomy coming back to Boston I, or operating again in Boston after the uh, kind of the Uber scare um, with what happened there. But I think uh, I would love to get out there and try the Renault Zoe. Uh, I, I don't know if, I'll, I guess I wouldn't be driving it, but I'd be driving in it, which is a step in the right direction. Because uh, Renault is, is all uh, overseas. We don't get those here in the States. We only get the, the Leaf, which is another brilliant car, the 2018 Nissan Leaf. So, You know, that's true. The, 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 the new Leaf is great. I have no excuse because I go to Europe once a year. And you think by now I would have driven all these little funky cars we write about, but I still haven't because... Yeah, well, anyway, X, Y, Z reason I'm not going to get into. It's not as easy to actually get to them as it would be here, strangely enough, or I don't know why, but it's changing. Yeah, I think we're going to be in uh, Scotland in, I think, early November. So maybe I'll try to line up a, a loaner for the time we're there in uh, Edinburgh. So. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what? Get a small little EV because then you can go up to the mountains and go to the local um, whiskey breweries because you have to drink <laughs> with the local water. And that's the trick. All right, whiskey and water. We'll I'm not a whiskey a fan. I don't know. That, that's all I know <laughs> about whiskey. All righty. Well, thanks for watching uh, uh, our, uh, our daily news of clean, uh, clean tech talk. And I'll probably say it in the right order at some point. I'm still getting used to it. But clean tech talk is today's uh, seventh episode. And we are aiming for every single day, which we are getting to. Uh, but please come back for everything that uh, we, we talk about, everything that's fresh electric mobility, electric vehicles, and anything that crawls, that rides, that flies, that sails. You got it. You name it. We're going to talk about it. Your feedback is always welcome. Your comments are always interesting. Please let us know what you think about. And this was, uh, so I'm Nicholas Zard, and I was here with, I am here with uh, Kyle. And Kyle, you can say goodbye. Yep. Great, great talk with you, Nick and uh, Zach earlier. It's always a pleasure to dig into these fun things with some, some of my peers here. So thanks a lot, guys. And uh, we'll see you next time.